0: so much, friends. I, uh, I'm really excited to be jumping into a series or a topic tonight uh, on the Word. Um, it's going to be great, and uh, j- diving into the Bible. Uh, but uh, that was a poke at Matt. I love you, Matt. Uh, but, you know, I, I am really so honored to be here tonight. I've been uh, hearing about Every Nation for so many years, uh, and Pastors Deb, Debbie and Greg have been kind of mentors and pastors to my wife and I over these last few years. And uh, it has been such a gift to see the journey of what God has been doing in this community and I got to tell you I uh, through my, my work I get to speak and be a part of a lot of churches across Canada and uh, I, I have yet to see uh, churches that are so passionately committed to discipleship like every nation and uh, it's incredible I get updates uh, from your church and through uh, some of your missionaries like Johnny and uh, I just love hearing what God is doing through this church and uh, how many of you guys know that that's that that is a rare thing these days to see a church that that's vibrant and living on mission and full of the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, it seems like it's a rarity, but I'm just so stoked when I get to hear what God is doing in this community. So maybe you're new to every nation. Maybe you've been here for years. Uh, You're part of something special. I just love that language, spiritual family, spiritual family. And that's what I think about when I think about every nation is a spiritual family. And so uh, for tonight and through proximity, uh, I, I'm just grateful to be a part of this spiritual family and uh, to, to be a part of this tonight. So hey, uh, if you've got a Bible or maybe you're new to the Bible, you can grab one in front of you. I saw there's a few there. Uh, go with me to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and uh, super stoked to, to share the word uh, with you tonight. John chapter 10, uh, we may or may not have slides on the screen, so forgive me if there's uh, no slides. Uh, feel free to turn to your phone, uh, just not on Instagram, but, uh, but it's going to be great. Uh, super, super pumped. John chapter 10, verses, we're going to read uh, the first 10 verses of John chapter 10 here. Would you do this with me, actually? Would you, uh, would you stand just as we read the word tonight? This is Jesus, the red letters, saying here in John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Verse seven, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture The big closing in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that is alive and living and active And God, we pray that this text would move somehow in some shape or form out of 2,000 years ago, out of a book, and go right into our hearts this evening. We pray for the living word to come and be amongst us tonight. And we just say, come, Holy Spirit, speak to us this evening. And the church said, amen. You may be seated. I remember hearing this verse as a kid growing up and this idea of Jesus has come to give the full life, the best life. I love what Eugene Peterson, he says this, he says that, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of, that that here in the Gospel of John we're reading that Jesus is saying there's a good shepherd who's speaking and leading and inviting us into a better way of being human. And I remember hearing these verses and thinking through my story as a follower of Jesus and just being a human and feeling so many times in my life like, honestly, is this the best life? Is following Jesus actually The better way is being a Jesus follower, is this invitation that Jesus has? I don't know if I fully tasted it. You see, for many of us, we are always, whether we know it or not, searching for a full and meaningful life. I'll never forget, in high school, I was absolutely convinced I would have the most fullest, the bestest, the greatest life this world had to offer if I could just get a girlfriend. Oh, my life would be complete. And then I got a girlfriend, and I realized girls are amazingly complicated. (laughs) If I could just... Graduate high school, right? Then life is gonna be incredible. If I could just get a job, then I'm gonna live the full life. And how many of you know when you've got mo money, you've got what? Mo problems. For those of you over 20, you would know that's a weird saying. More money does not equal more happiness. It means more problems so often. And and as I've grown older, it's if I could just have this established career, you know, if I could just be seen as significant in my job, if I could just get a house. And how many of you know a mortgage is just a golden noose, isn't it? It's not a nice thing. We want these things that we hope will bring us fulfillments. We desire all of these things that will bring the full life, but it just doesn't always feel like the full life. And the truth is, is that society is always searching for meaning and purpose everywhere that they go. And every pathway that is promoted to us through some sort of marketing stream is about you creating your own idealized future, creating your perfect life. And there's mantras and leadership gurus out there that say, put the picture on your bathroom window of your Lamborghini and your mansion, and you've got to claim it and name it, baby, because that thing's going to be yours. And culture is pushing, you can find meaning and purpose and you can do it individually. You can find it in yourself even. Truth and meaning are inside of you if you could just unlock it somehow. If you could just do what you want to do. I remember at 13 already telling my mom in one moment she was trying to tell me something to do, homework or something like that, and I snapped back at her with the great quip, don't tell me how to live my life, mom. It went super well. She was really respectful and received that, and I have no scars from that moment. We see a massive increase of self-help over these last 15, 20 years. I was scrolling on Instagram and someone told me how to live my best life in a 30-second TikTok video. I was like, you solved it. This is amazing. 30 seconds is all I needed. We've got three-minute training videos on YouTube these days to tell you how to have a great life. It's amazing. I watched them. I got interrupted by a few commercials, um, but then once the video came, I I felt like I was living my best life. It's amazing. And yet the dark side of this is, is that we also have seen a massive rise of severe loneliness, depression and isolation in the last 20, 30 years. Mother Teresa says that loneliness said that loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Some studies will show that more people will die from loneliness than they will from obesity and smoking. Success, comfort, accolades, all of these things seem to not be adding up to a meaningful life. My wife and I recently, we've been talking about how we keep bumping into these people that seem to have everything together on the surface, but yet when you just scrape one inch, you begin to realize that that they're not living the full life. And unfortunately, the same thing seems to be true sometimes when we look at the church The church so often through the ages hasn't always looked like a vibrant, active, full-life community. In my line of work, I found out that over the next 10 to 15 years, over 40 million teenagers are set to leave the church in the next handful of years. That over 40% of Gen Z and young adults are disinterested with the church that we've kind of made church and Jesus into being this kind of like nice guy, this boring, seemingly irrelevant person. And yet on the flip side, young people today more than ever are passionate about changing the world. They want to get skin in the game. They want to do something. They storm the White House and fight for gun reform. They break down council chambers to fight for racial reconciliation. And here in Canada, people are fighting for equity, human rights, the proper treatments of indigenous people. And then they come to a church and The way that we ask them to get involved and and to serve is to come early and stack some chairs. Where's the full life that Jesus is talking about? Where's the vibrant faith that Jesus is inviting us into? For most of us, we only get glimpses and taste sometimes in this full life. Something is stopping us from entering into it. And maybe it's like, some of us, we feel maybe unqualified to live the full life. There's been some stuff that's happened in our lives that disqualifies us because of things that we've done or things that have been done to us. Maybe it's, it's sin that I struggle with that's stopping me from the full life. Maybe I'm not old enough. Maybe I'm too old. What is it? Friends, we need to understand and and hopefully come to a place where we need to realize that we need a new way to be human that Jesus is experiencing, that we need to find a way to experience this real and eternal life, a more and better life than we've ever dreamed of. How do we get to this place? And I think this is an important question, friends, because the world out there isn't looking into Christianity for greater social clubs. The world isn't even looking into Christianity these days, wondering if Christianity is even true sometimes. I think that the world is actually looking at Christianity and wondering, does it actually work Does it actually do what you say it's supposed to do to change your life? We say those things, don't we, that come follow Jesus, it will change your life. Come follow Jesus, it's the best thing ever. And friends, I think the world is moving away from a place wondering is Christianity and the resurrection, is it all true? I think those questions will still be there, but they're wondering, is it actually good for you? Is following Jesus good for you? But what if the full life was found not in us making a full life for ourselves, but rather joining something that is bigger than ourselves? What if the full life that Jesus is offering us tonight is about joining Jesus in his kingdom work around the earth? And that's what I want to unpack tonight. The full life found in knowing Jesus and joining his kingdom work around the world. You see, the first thing that I think we have to realize when it comes to the full life that Jesus has to offer is foundationally we have to know that the full life is first found in knowing the good shepherd, here in John 10, Jesus is saying that I am the good shepherd. I am the one that leads people to these pastures. I am the one that leads you like a sheep. And if you know me and know my voice, you'll experience a better way. That daily we have to first know, as First John 4, 19 says, that we love God. We love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved us. That as we experience and encounter a deep love with Jesus, everything changes about us. And this is good news, friends, for us, that Jesus has come to establish a new kingdom, to overcome sin, suffering, the devil, death, and bring about a new way of returning back to relationship with God. And this has to be good news to us first, friends. I see so many Christians that when we use the phrase spread the good news, share the gospel, we don't actually look like we believe that it is good news. And the starting place before we talk about evangelism and mission, the starting place before we get sent out is the question and invitation is, friends, is this good news that Jesus came to you? Is it actually good news for you? Is it good news that Jesus came, and we read in Mark chapter 1 what the gospel even is. In Jesus' own words, it says this in Mark chapter 14. It says, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. This is what he came to preach. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. And so repent and believe in the gospel. And so our role in mission and evangelism is first and foremost understanding that Jesus has come to become what? The new king of our lives. And friends, this is actually incredibly good news. Why? Because it's incredibly discouraging and depressing and painful to try and be the king of your own life. It's good news that Jesus came to be our Lord. It's good news that he came to be our king. It's also good news because Jesus came to save us from our sins and wipe away our shame, cleanse us and wash us and to deal with sin and death once and for all. And so friends, the starting place for us is we have to begin to ask the question, do I actually believe that the good news is good news for me? Do I believe that when I talk about Jesus and when I experience it, that it's actually good that he's changing my life from the inside out, that that do I remind myself It says in Hebrews that whenever you begin to forget, whenever you begin to wonder, whenever you begin to forget the good things that God has done, just remember that Christ has died, that he took on your sin and your shame and he bore it on the cross once and for all. Friends, this is such good news for us. One person agrees, praise God. But I mean it, friends. We can't begin to embark on tasting the good life unless we have fully believed in the depths of our heart and have been saved. And have an encounter with the love of Christ who's washed me clean. I've had that. I've had shame, I've had pain. I've had things that I've done and stuff that's been done to me. But I met Jesus. And he wiped it all away. And he became the boss of my life. And it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. This is good news for us. Philip Yancey tells this story of a missions trip to Nepal where he visits a leprosy victim hospital. And in this place, he comes to this place called Green Acres Hospital. And it's a place where victims of leprosy, leprosy is this like skin eating disease that gnaws away at all of your body. And he's walking through the hallway with his wife and he comes across this this figure, this what seemingly seems like a a young girl who is walking towards them where leprosy has completely riddled her body, her arms, her limbs, her face, completely grotesque. And in that moment, this girl comes up to them and begins to greet them. And his wife, having more compassion than him, he says, kneels down and begins to connect with her. And at that moment, a nurse comes by and says, oh, you seem to have met Damara. She's one of our regular patients who comes constantly in to sing hymns in the chapel. And as she's saying that, Philip hears an old familiar tune but Damara and his wife are humming the tune that he's heard for so many years. Amazing grace. I once was lost, but I've now been found. And he writes this, that close to my desk, I hold a photo that whenever I feel polluted by the beauty-obsessed culture I live in, the culture in which people pay exorbitant sums to shorten their noses or plump up their breasts to achieve some impossible form of beauty while 9,000 people die each day of AIDS for lack of treatment. Hospitals like Green Acres scrape by on charity crumbs. I pull out that old photo and I see two beautiful women, my wife wearing a brightly colored Nepali outfit she bought the day before and holding in her arms an old chrome that would flunk any beauty test ever devised except the one that matters most, the light of God filling a hollow shell with the spirit of his love. The love of Jesus, the good news, friends, is that he fills our hollow shells to transform our lives. And so what do we do about this? Well, I believe that the full life is found in us realizing the gospel And then beginning to join God in seeing the realities of heaven come on earth. Jesus teaches us to pray that the kingdom, that the things of heaven would be made true here on earth. That the realities of heaven, that what goes on in heaven would be accessible, would be achievable, would be tasted and seen. Not one day. But the prayer says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now let it be done, God. Let your realities of heaven be done now. And so what are the realities of heaven We know that in Revelation chapter 21, it says, and I heard from a loud voice the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among his people. And check this out, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll no longer be any death, no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. The realities of heaven, Jesus is teaching us that when we see tears wiped away, when we see pain removed from people's lives, that's what Jesus is inviting us to achieve and experience here on earth. Friends, this is the full life. And Jesus modeled this, didn't he? Jesus goes for three years and begins to uh, replicate the realities of heaven by healing the blind, by raising the dead, by multiplying food, by walking on water, living what looks to be a pretty full and abundant life. And here's the catch, though, friends, is many of us look at the life of Jesus and we think, ooh, ah, wow, Jesus did all these things because he was God, correct, And incorrect. What do I mean? Jesus lived the full and abundant life not because of his divinity, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. We read in the New Testament that Jesus actually denied his divinity. But there's something powerful that happens that we read in Matthew chapter three at Jesus's baptism, It says that as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus does all of his miracles, not because of his divinity, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And this is important because Jesus is not just our savior, he's our model. Jesus doesn't just save us from our sins. He tells us that these things that I am doing, you can do also. How? Because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And friends, the full life, the abundant life that Jesus has to offer is available to you and then some. Jesus goes on to say that all of these miracles, all of these incredible things and these stories that you read about, I mean, there's this one crazy story where Jesus is walking down the street with some of his homies and there's a funeral procession of a young boy who is dead. Like, we're talking deader than dead. They're doing the procession. He's so dead that he's more dead than dead. And Jesus says, no, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of the Lord, is on me to raise the dead and he prays, and this young boy gets up you 've been living a boring life why don 't you start walking in some funeral processions i 'm not making this up up, friends, but Jesus is inviting us to live this life too and i 've tasted and seen, and i don 't have enough time to tell you all the stories, but one story that does come to mind is a group of students. In southern Alberta, where the Lord knows that it's really hard to work in those cold places, isn't it? small town called Pincher Creek, a group of students had the audacity to believe that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would be inside of them. And these students set up a prayer basement for some friends of theirs, they're going through an alpha and they decided, well, we read that in the scripture that the same things that Jesus did, that, that I can also maybe just do these things. The audacity. Teenagers, they just don't have a filter. They just think they can do anything. It's just ridiculous. And they set up this basement and they begin to pray one by one for some friends. No pastors. No spirit keys in the back. And one of the students they prayed for had a knee injury, 13 years old, and they laid hands on him because they read that in Acts, that's what Peter and the early church did. They laid hands on his knee and then they moved on and began to pray for some other students. And then all of a sudden out of the corner of their ears, they hear, no way, no way. They look over and they're so excited. They begin to run over to the student and they're like, what is it, what is it? Did Jesus heal your knee? And he's like, no, no, it's not my knee, it's not my knee. And in that moment, the student begins to unravel his sleeves, begins to expose his arms, which had years of self-harm scars instantly being healed right before their eyes. The audacity of some students to think that they could do the things that Jesus did. And to this day, this was six years ago, I get phone call after phone call from those young grade 12 students who are now actively involved in changing the world and seeing the kingdom come everywhere they go. They are living the full life, friends, And so you see, friends, that we have the ability to live the full life, to join Jesus in the renewal of all things, to not wait for heaven to come one day, but to experience heaven here on earth. And the question that I would have to you today is, do you want to live the full life? Do you wanna hear the voice of the good shepherd who is inviting you in to the fullest, most abundant, greatest, meaningful, purposeful life? And so how do we go about doing that? How do we take a step into, the, into this? What does the plunge look like? It looks like the revelation of the good news of Christ in our own life. And it looks like an openness to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. Remind yourself of the gospel every day and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day. And then it looks like simply just saying yes. My wife and I have this little tradition we do sometimes when we have a bit of courage. We're trying this stuff too. When we're at a restaurant and a server is serving us as they bring their food, and you know that awkward moment as Christians where you kind of bow your head with one eye open to pray, and the server's coming, it's kind of awkward, they got the food. We've all been there, I get it. But we just ask the simple question, if God could do a miracle in your life. Usually we say, hey, we're, we're Christians, we're about to pray for our food so that this McDonald's doesn't give us a heart attack. Um, but, but we're going to pray, and, and, and if God was real and he could do a miracle in your life, what, what would that be? And almost 10 out of 10 times, friends, somebody will have a response to that. And you can just see the countenance change in their life. I'm going through a divorce. I need more money. I'm afraid of my dad. My kids are a disaster. I'm riddled with anxiety. Take your pick. And in that moment, I don't know what, what we believe and how it all works, but, but or if it's just the smell of the gravy and the fries, but there's something so sweet about this moment, and it kind of almost feels like heaven comes on earth in that moment. And all that we're doing, friends, is hanging out at Ricky's. And that's why I close with this scripture here. In the message, Romans 12, Eugene Peterson, through the words of Paul, says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Just take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Because embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight? I want to pray for just those two groups of people tonight. The first group is those people that have yet to encounter the good news of Jesus. You've been trying to live your own life. You've been trying to find meaning and purpose. And you keep coming across dead end after dead end. So if that's you tonight, I wanna pray for you. The Bible simply says that if we confess with our mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is actually the, the new king of our life, that we will be saved, that we'll experience abundant, full life. That when we give up, essentially, when we die to ourselves, we'll experience this new life. So if that's you tonight, Father, I just pray right now for those people that have yet to experience the good news of Jesus, that he is the new and better way, that he is the new way to be human. He's both our example and our Lord. If that's you tonight, would you just in your own words, just just confess. This just means to turn, turn back to God. Jesus, I've been trying to live my own way. Would you come and lead me? Would you come into my heart? And the second group of people who have seemingly been living uneventful Christian lives. I wanna pray that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. So if you feel comfortable like you're receiving a gift, Would you just stretch out your hands and join me? We read all throughout Acts that there's a filling of the Holy Spirit that both reminds us of the gospel, reminds us that we're adopted sons and daughters, and it fills us with a very real power, something that is not of us. It's the same power we read that raised Christ from the dead, And so tonight, Holy Spirit, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. As soon as I got up here tonight, I felt that there is a few business people that live and work kind of in corporate settings i just saw this picture of like kind of classic cubicle settings and especially over these last couple weeks a few of you have just sensed a tug so significant to get activated in that setting but you've been riddled with fear You've heard stories of broken marriages and sickness. You've heard stories of pain and shame. You've wanted so badly to reach out and pray for them. To lay a hand. To maybe, just maybe do the stuff that we read in Acts. And Tonight I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would just fill you with courage to step out in faith and to present your everyday ordinary cubicle world to Christ and watch it turn into a heavenly place. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with your love and with your power. And lastly, there's a few people tonight that I've sensed that there's a very real feeling that God wants to use you to bring healing, physical healing to people. this is something that I just sense so much our world is desperate for these days. So if that's you, if your hands are still out, I just wanna pray that there would be like, like an anointing oil of the Old Testament that would just pour onto your hands tonight. There's maybe even someone in your dorm, you know, that has struggled with chronic pain. You read stories like in Peter in Acts chapter three, where, crippled man, there's nothing he can offer him except the healing power of Jesus Christ. Right now God, I pray you would anoint hands that you would give faith and courage to give them the mind of Christ to believe that they can do the same things that Christ did and the early church did, that that can be done here on earth just as it is in heaven, that there would be no more pain and no more sickness as these people are commissioned to go and lay hands on the sick, to raise the dead, to see blind eyes opened. In Jesus' name, would you just anoint these hands. Those that have faith to believe tonight, we just say, come, Holy Spirit, fill them with your love and with your power. Come, oh God.